0: Hello, and welcome to the Atonicast. As almost always, I'm Alex Roy, uh, here with my wonderful, awesome, highly knowledgeable, and uh, credibility-building, for me, friend, Kirsten Korosek. Hello, Kirsten. Ah, hello. And also, Ed Niedermeyer. Hey, Alex. Sorry, I'm being cruel to you because, you know, I've been reading your book, Ludicrous: The Unvarnished Story of Tesla Motors, and I have to say... Um, it's exactly as well written as I expected it to be, but it's way more even-handed um than I thought. Uh so congratulations. Well, thank you. Uh,
1: yeah, it was uh that I, yeah, I, I can't say that I set out to do that from the get-go, but um there's something therapeutic about a project like that. Um and I feel like uh yeah, it was a little bit of of therapy about uh worked worked out some of my feelings and got a little <laughs> bit more towards uh uh, some actual, you know, real analysis. So uh, I'm I'm glad to hear that.
2: I didn't mean to laugh out loud, but it just was funny. Have you read the book yet? I'm not done with it yet, but I have. I'm about okay. like a uh, quarter way through.
0: So I'm up to, so, I think I'm halfway to two thirds through uh, where we were talking about the Wampy wheels and Keith Wiveneff, oh, yeah. the, the, that guy. And I, I got, and I got bad news for you though, uh, Ed, mm. is that reading the book, I had just found, I started your book after finishing "Skin in the Game" by uh, Nassim uh, Nicholas Taleb. Have you guys read him? Mm-mm.
1: No, but I'm here. So
0: he's an ex, you know, banker philosopher who writes about um, not trusting experts and you know people should have skin in the game. And after reading that and looking at your book, everything you describe Elon Musk is doing. And I know this is today is not the ludicrous book episode, but I just want to tell you this. Everything that you write about Musk, which you take as a negative, is in fact, according to Talebian theory, is actually a positive. Okay. <laughs> nice. I'm not sure
1: I'm not sure I strictly try to make it a negative. I mean I think I think what you're talking about is his ability to sort of,
0: you know, do whatever it takes, right? Yeah, and by that standard, um, Elon Musk uh, comes out pretty heroically in your book. And I know that was not your goal. Yeah. Well, Let's just wait for the book. When's the book coming out? We'll save this episode for when the book comes out. When oh, is that?
1: August 20th. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to doing a, a whole episode. You guys can, can grill me and push me and uh, uh, saute me. And uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, a lot I'm, of
2: food references there. I also think that this day should be – Yeah, a lot. I think this day should also be um, remembered because you, I think, got maybe the only compliment ever – Dished out if we're going to stay on the food theme from Alex. What? Yeah, no. I it's, love no, not even true.
3: Alex.
1: Is, even when no, we disagree, no, no. We I love, love I love Alex, right. especially when we disagree. But but really, <laughs> the the compliments right now uh, really should be more going Kirsten's direction um, because we all just got back uh, recently from um, an amazing event that she put on. It was the Tech Crunch. Mobility Sessions 2019, is that right, Kirsten?
2: Yeah, I think we call it TC Sessions Mobility, okay. but yes, TechCrunch Mobility Conference. Yeah.
1: yeah, it was in San Jose. Um, it was incredible. Like, I think all of us, all of us agree that <laughs> you know, generally speaking, uh, it's there. There's not really a shortage of mobility conferences, and so and they're mostly shit. I, yeah, no. And I, for one, would would feel a lot of trepidation about um about creating a new one because it is very difficult to to stand out in that crowd but frankly i think kirsten you really and i'm not just saying this because you know we're we're co hosts or anything like and and i'm not just this is not just my opinion either everybody i've talked to who was there um says the same thing which was that this was really 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 good especially for you know your first time doing this yeah of course, you know, tech uh, crunch which is like famous at doing great events but still like amazing
2: thank you And I will say that our event staff, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we were able to pull it off to that level. But the thing that I really like, and I think this is something that we've done here on the podcast and try to do as much as possible, is that we skip a lot of the bio bullshit and just get right into it. And that's what we do. um, That's what our TechCrunch staff does. It's ingrained in us. And so, yeah, it might be a little scary for some people to get up on stage and they're going to maybe not be grilled per se, but you know they're going to get um, some tough questions, but they also know that, that people are going to show up to listen to that. And so the stage is an important place. People it get it. There's, there's credibility there. Um, and so, yeah, I absolutely enjoyed asking, you know, Dimitri Dolgov with Waymo, who said that his, he and his little kids are uh, take the Waymo self-driving car, you know, I liked asking him the question. So would you would you do you trust it to um drive your kids without a safety driver, for example? Totally fair question, but I don't know how many conferences he would get that question. Maybe he would, maybe he would. And what did he say? And I really He said after some back and forth he said he would. So as today, as it stands today, he, he said he would he would do that. And um Yes. So we should we should put some of these videos up on the Atonicast uh, Twitter feed. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that the uh, the panel, I actually didn't get a chance to see it, but I've gone back and watched it, and I think everyone should, was the panel with Oliver Cameron with Voyage and Megan Rose Dickey from TechCrunch and um, the Uber guy, um, who was that, uh, Clark Haynes, and it was about bringing ethics to self-driving cars and it wasn't just and, and Alex and Ed will appreciate this initially Megan came to me and said how about a how about a conversation about the trolley problem and i said no way Hard and not. we had we but but here's the thing we, we i said why do you want this and as she started talking about it i said i think what you want is something different and if we do an academic conversation about who hits whom I'm telling you right now that AV people are going to strike and walk out, but the root of what you actually want to talk about is worth it. So we called it not a trolley problem debate and Oliver Cameron, and we were very upfront with him about it. And it ended up being a really good conversation about every piece of developing self-driving cars, including classifications of people um, on an algorithm, for example. Um, all the way to you know hiring practice and stuff like that, and it was it was a tough conversation and it was a good one, and so that was great. I'll definitely highlight that. Cool. Um, but I should say that I think Alex missed a lot of it because just a day and a, just thirty six hours later would be one of the biggest. AV deals that was going to go down, which he wouldn't talk to us about it, but we of course then ended up covering the news, you know, courtesy of Ford and VW and Argo comms, uh, folks. But this was the VW Ford partnership alliance. And then of course the massive investment into Argo AI. So. Alex, how was your Wednesday?
0: Uh, my Wednesday was uh, very entertaining. I spent mo- maybe half the day on the phone uh, f- talking about things that I, well, became a parent two days later. Uh, but let me just be clear. For people have been, people have been asking me whether I knew you know, last year that this was going to happen. Um, and the answer is no. I, re- I did not know. Uh, I took a leap when I accepted the position at Argo. Um, I did not know. Uh, and so I'm, I was very surprised even when I found out internally that this was possible, uh, and and maybe even likely. So, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I can't say much more about that.
2: Yeah. I will also clarify because I've gotten, uh, some folks over the past few months, anytime I've written anything about Argo, um, I have received inquiries from comms team from another company unrelated to the AV space asking me and the seven like twice maybe. And then, well, isn't, shouldn't you be disclosing the fact that you know Alex, you know, when you write a story, which of course <laughs> it's is totally ridiculous a because I know a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also know a lot of people in the, in the AV space, not just Alex, but I will say that. Alex, once a great source of inside knowledge, that era is officially been over since January, unfortunately, for me. Oh, well, So uh, basically, the well has run dry, like you used to, you know, you used to run into people and you would say you should check into this or that. And, now that doesn't happen anymore and it sucks.
0: Uh, well, I'm sorry, uh, but I've got to, you know, I have to have an ethical wall, unlike Fred Lambert. But I will tell you this the most interesting thing is, uh, I, I, anytime I comment on my Tesla, which I love, and I comment on full self driving or anything pertaining to my Tesla, someone will say, You can't be trusted because you work at a competitor. And then I say, But Argo is not a competitor of Tesla. And they say, "Well, you're both in the self-driving space," and I say, "Are you sure?"
3: <laughs> and uh,
0: it, it becomes it pretty funny. Um, you know, it, it has made it a lot easier to not respond or engage with people about you know in the Tesla community because most people just had no idea like what they're actually talking about. I was in a cab last week um, and and the guy who picked me up, it was an Uber, picked me up in a Tesla model three and he had, he was a a super Tesla fan. He had labeled every door handle on the car with little stenciled letters inside and outside. uh, So everyone would know how to get in and out of the car. And he had done that because he believed that full self-driving was coming within a year. And that his car would need to be uh, usable by passengers without him in it. And when I suggest to him that the concept of a geofence might mean that his car might not be full self-driving inside New York City, he got, he got upset. He actually like pulled over the car. He's like, hey, man, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and I gave him my business card and i haven't heard from him since so um, which business
2: it, card did you give him because you have like 10 different business cards i gave him the argo card anyway. oh, I thought you were going to give him the human driving association no, card because that would have
0: been a- it's a pointless it's, it's a <laughs> waste of time anyway um let's move on um you had this interesting interview with uh what's the guy's name from zooks levinson
2: yeah Jesse. Mm-hmm. um and we also had him on stage and i um you know, I will say this, like, uh, I was, I wasn't sure what we were going to get. I, we wanted Zooks to participate for sure. And um, we knew that. But you know, these things, you never really know sometimes on these one-on-ones, how um, transparent they're going to be, what they can say, what they can't say. And um, the one thing I really liked about having Jesse on stage is, you know, he's not like some super media trained guy. You mean and like that is- Timothy Kelly Clay? <laughs> <laughs>
3: which for uh, those, who,
2: those who don't know, he's referring
1: to the uh, now former Zook CEO.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, no, not like that. I don't know if that was media trained either. Um, but I thought his interview was actually very telling. And, and we did learn some things, which is really cool. And so then, of course, because I was participating in um, a big part of the event, was backstage when he came off, and I thanked him for it, and um, and then said, "Come and, come and get in our van here," because we turned the Renovo, um, their the Renovo van into our podcast booth, which is right outside the theater. And he happily agreed. And then we had sort of a follow on conversation or continuing conversation about the vehicle and and some of the n- small but interesting. Um, things that they he revealed on stage. Let let me w-
0: walk up to the edge of what the kind of question is appropriate for me to ask. Okay? okay. All right. You have GM and Cruz, You've got uh Daimler, BMW, like Intel MobilEye and this like funny cluster. Mm-hmm. Um you have whatever i guess Baidu Apollo or whatever autonomous companies come out of china i think we could all safely assume the chinese will not allow a foreign company to come in and own their market for self driving vehicles um, so what is the future of companies who want to do the full thing and the vehicle like in china
2: I, or in the us you no know,
0: in, in the united states i have always like there's some gr- smart people at zooks there's some people i i like at zooks i'm friends of some folks at zooks but I, I've never bought into the idea that one could do everything,
2: including a grounded vehicle. It's definitely going to be hard. So this was a question
1: that I've been wanting to ask Zooks. I think we've discussed this on the show. Like I feel like every time Zooks comes up, this is sort of the thing that we keep coming back to. And I think one of the the great things about this upcoming interview that you'll hear in just a few minutes now is, uh, is that we asked – we had the chance to ask Jesse Levinson that, that exact question. Now, what did he I have mentioned? a good answer? Well – I'm going to leave that up to you and the listeners to decide. I, mm. I you know, clearly, look. It, it was a brief interview, and and that one topic could have been discussed for that one. That one question could have could have prompted an hour long discussion easily. Um, so so it was not a comprehensive answer for sure. And I look forward to asking it again and and exploring sort of some of the the details and nuance of it. But um, I feel like he certainly it wasn't a surprise for him to be asked that uh-huh. um, it's clearly something that he's, he's put some thought into. Um, and uh, you know, and I think, I think the only thing I'll say, again, I don't want to give away what's, what's coming up here. Um, but, but I do think it's really interesting to see. I, I don't get the sense that Zooks has always been a company that um really appreciates uh, how much the auto industry in particular, the supplier base of the auto industry has to offer. Um I feel like uh, they're well, they
2: do now they do
1: now, yeah, and I think that's <laughs> yeah. a that's a really interesting piece, and I think that more and more um you know sort of actually with you know getting to my book, I think that's that's actually one of the big lessons from Tesla for me is sort of you know do you do you- you know do you come into um sort of a new vision of the auto industry from a perspective of you know this really we really do have to do everything ourselves um or do you have a sort of level of appreciation and respect for um the, the industry that exists, suppliers, um and their resources uh to sort of take care of some of the things that that you know they're just gonna do better than a than a startup. I think that's a real uh important uh distinguishing characteristic, you know, among different kinds of uh different kinds of startups
0: in this space. Uh do you guys follow the venture capitalist Josh Wolf on Twitter from Lux Capital? Yes.
2: I have in the past. Um and- I'm not I don't have the same level of Twitter. Um, you know, hands-on that you two do because I need to write stories every day. So I can't. <laughs> Kirsten,
1: Kirsten is not as extremely online as Alex and I is. What she no, because
2: I, I have a job. I have, no, I have I can, a job. I well, I I guess I'm not a very good multitasker then.
0: Right, so uh, have you, are you familiar with the book Loonshots by Safi Bacall? No. I'm familiar with it, but I don't. It's, it's basically about moonshot, like business, you know, people really out of the box. And, you know, I my Zook's skepticism has is counterbalanced by my love of this guy Josh Wolf's Twitter and he is really you know bearish on Tesla but he's like the only guy I've ever felt really made an argument on behalf of Zook's that was really powerful and if if you get a chance uh Lux Capo or maybe it's Wolf himself put out no, their I
2: follow him their I end follow of
0: 2018 him. presentation like their annual presentation they did one about really wild ideas um and that's pretty much the only thing I've seen in Zooks' favor but let me tell you it's pretty powerful um anyway I look forward to the interview so no Let's listen to the Zooks interview. And, but before we, we do that, um, everyone, if you're listening to the, the Atonicast, would you please go to the website, Atonicast.com, and join our our mailing list. You know Our subscription rates are through the roof, and we are going to be launching a newsletter, which is basically going to include transcriptions of our episodes moving forward. But I don't think moving backwards. What do you think?
2: <laughs> well, we need to work out the details because you just put another thing on our to-do list. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but good idea. And people have been asking for it for a while. And, um, I think it's a great idea, but before we can do that, we want to get our mailing list nice and big, and we will only be selling, sending out relevant information. So for example, when there's a new episode. So yeah, please, please do that. Also, we'd like to, we'd like to add that, um, you know, obviously, uh, you will not be hearing
1: Alex Roy on uh, this upcoming uh, conversation with Jesse Levinson of Zooks. That's because he does work for a Level Four company, as we've said before. Uh, we want to make sure that um, you know uh, situations where we're talking with competitors. Um, it's not one in which Alex can, <laughs> you know, take take the the kind of cheap shots that he usually does.
2: <laughs> well, I would say it was interesting. We asked Jesse, and he was actually fine with it. But Alex was not fine with it. And so just for – so everyone knows how that conversation went down. Jesse was fine with it. Alex was like, no, it's not a good idea.
0: Well, to be clear, I – you know, we were two days away from the Argo VW Ford announcement, which I I didn't think that I could ethically sit and face him and have like a a valuable – and add value to that conversation without being a a dick. And that's – even I have ethics. All right. So
2: uh <laughs> yes. And if in and, and for the moments that you don't, I'm there.
0: <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Chris. All right, let's roll into this.
2: <laughs> okay. Hello and welcome to the
4: Atonicast. I am sitting in a minivan, a self driving one, in fact. Oh, it's got a bunch of lighter on top. Okay. So it must be self driving.
3: Sounds <laughs> legit. <laughs>
4: Sounds legit. Uh it's from courtesy of Renovo. Thanks, guys. And we're sitting out in front of beautiful San Jose outside the California theater and TechCrunch sessions mobility is going on, which I've been up on stage already today, and we have a special guest today. Not Ed, no, I'm Ed's not, always I'm not special, but a special guest is Jeffy Levinson with Zooks. Hi, Jesse.
3: Hi, I think you said Jeffy. Oh. do you want to try that again? Yeah, sure. Okay.
4: But I did. I meant to say Jesse. I know. But I think it I just like,
3: it sounded like Jeffy. Okay. <laughs>
4: okay. Well, you should He's definitely right. keep this in by oh, yeah, the way, because it will be. Yeah, no. This Jesse is the, this is the best part. Levinson. Trolling me <laughs> on the Atana cast, So unusual to be trolled on this, Atana, on this uh, podcast. It's, it's my job. Yes, it is. Um, thank you for, A, correcting me <laughs> on the radio. You're welcome. Um, and also uh, popping into this minivan.
3: It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Cool.
4: You were just on stage and you said something. You said a bunch of really interesting things, but I want to jump in and talk about... Um, how you have designed the vehicle, if that's something you want to talk about, unless you have something that is so pressing that must be said on the Autonicast right now.
3: Well, that's a lot of pressure. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, happy to talk about the vehicle. Obviously, we haven't shown it publicly, so I can't tell you all of our secrets, but uh, we did discuss some of the concepts that we believe are important and happy to, happy to discuss that.
4: Okay. Well, one of the interesting things that you mentioned was the suspension, And it really popped out to me because it seems like Zooks is really thinking about design. So it's not a retrofit. This is not a vehicle. By the way, we're also watching the Waymo car getting its LiDAR shell put on as we're taping this. Um, We're talking about a brand new type of vehicle. And explain to me how this is different. It is designed to essentially for the passenger not to feel the road. Is that fair?
3: It is fair. You know, one of our core premises when we started the company is that the way you would solve point-to-point autonomous mobility is actually quite different from the way you would design a car for a human driver, right? And I know it's tempting to say, oh, well, you know, we have cars and they drive, so why not just put some sensors on the roof and now it's a self-driving car. Um, and I think, you know, there, there is a there is some merit to, to doing that, but we do not believe that that's going to create a great product and experience for customers. Um, and so we've we've taken the perhaps um, harder step of of asking ourselves what would that experience look like if you weren't constrained by starting with a car. Uh, incidentally, we also think that. Having our own platform makes it easier to solve the safety and AI problem. So even that by itself is a good enough reason. Um, but when you do get this blank canvas to reimagine the customer experience, you can start doing some pretty amazing things that we think our customers are really going to appreciate. So one of them is this idea of the smoothness of the ride. Now, when you drive your own car, you kind of like feeling some connection with the road. You even like feeling some of the bumps. I mean, you don't want it to be uncomfortable, but you kind of like feeling that connection to the road. And and so car companies actually put a lot of effort into making sure that when you drive a car, you feel connected to the road. Now, when you're a passenger in the car, you don't particularly want to feel connected to the road. In fact, you don't really want to feel much of anything. You just like it to be smooth and comfortable. So, if you're designing a robo taxi, right, or a vehicle that's that's uh, purpose is to move people around cities all day long, you should actually ask yourself, well, what what do we want that ride to feel like? And our view is that we want it to be smooth, right? We want our customers to be able to have a conversation, to be able to, you know, read something on their iPhones or their iPads, um, or, you know, or or to to rest without feeling all the bumps in the road. And you can't really do that in cars today. But if you had active suspension, meaning that on every corner of the vehicle, you were actively controlling the height of the vehicle to counteract any bumps in the road, then all of a sudden you could create a mobility experience that was profoundly smoother and more comfortable. And so that's something that we've engineered into our vehicle from day one, and we think customers are going to love.
1: Is is this a, a, a sort of a reactive? There's, there's a number of, uh, of, of systems, active suspension systems on the market from suppliers, OEMs is this a supplier system? Is it something you developed in-house? And then is it sort of a, a reactive thing or is this something where you're tapping into the perception system and doing anticipation uh, for the active suspension?
3: Yeah, great question. Um, so we are working with a supplier on the system. Um, it is custom designed for Zooks and our vehicle um, because we have you know different weight and proportions and dimensions um, than, than other cars. So it's not completely designed from scratch, but it's pretty heavily modified compared to what's uh, sort of on the market today. And we are really excited about, you know, the, the performance because we've started testing it now and it really works. Um, it, it, you know, you can use a combination of, of reactive approaches and, and uh, proactive approaches. Obviously, our sensors um, are extremely accurate at perceiving the environment in front of the vehicle. Uh, and so that is absolutely something that we're going to be able to do as well.
4: What does it feel like? Does it feel different to you? I mean, you, we've all been in cars. We probably underestimate the feeling of it. So you've must be in these vehicles now. Mm-hmm. What does it feel like? Is describe it?
3: Yeah. What's really cool? Um, I mean, the active suspension is certainly part of it, but I think what's more interesting is just the fact that it's so obviously not a car. Right. When you get in the vehicle, and it's you know it does have that carriage seating, so it's two seats facing two seats. But the fact that you've deleted all of the car stuff, right? There's no dashboard. There's no steering wheel. You know, it's not enough in our opinion to simply take the steering wheel and delete it. Right. I think, I think that's the tempting thing. It's like, oh, great. We don't need a steering wheel anymore. Well, great. Here's no steering wheel, but, but it's still a car, right? And you can still tell you're getting in the backseat of a car. And what we've managed to create is an experience that's so different from getting in a car that you don't even feel like you're in a car anymore, right? It's almost like being in a, you know, a, a tram or this, this pod where, where you can tell that the experience has been designed for the the customer to enjoy the ride, and not okay. Well, you know we have to build something that drives, and let's put some seats in it so you have somewhere to sit, right?
1: Yeah, I mean th- this all makes so much sense. Um, clearly, right? Like reimagining this from the ground up. You know, if the technology changes experience. You should you should design for that experience. Um, and I think like. Sort of the the thing that, that seems to come up a lot um, when when Zooks is brought up in, in conversations that I have is sort of this like wow like it's an amazing vision they're doing really cool stuff but like the concern that maybe you're trying to do too much um, I'm sure this is something you've been asked about before and I'm curious you know you, you mentioned working with a supplier is that is that tapping into existing automotive partners is that part of your solution to this like how how do you because developing a self driving system alone is like one of the hardest things but also Designing an entirely new car with no with no blueprint from the ground up is also insanely hard. How, how do you manage that?
3: Yeah, great question. Um, we think we're doing okay. Uh, you know, we're not we're not perfect, but it it's an amazing opportunity. And the further along this journey we we get, the more convinced we are that, that there's something really special here and that this is worth doing. Now, I think there is a misconception that we're doing everything ourselves. And I talked a little bit about this uh, on stage earlier, but we aren't doing everything ourselves because that would be crazy, right? There's an incredibly robust supply chain for components that go in electric vehicles. And we're very lucky that we get to benefit from that, right? I mean, Tesla 10 years ago, in some ways, had to create a lot of that from scratch, uh, and they did a remarkable job of doing so. Um, but today, pretty much everybody's making some type of electric cars. And what that means is if you're looking for you know, batteries and steering systems and braking systems and all the things that you need to put into a car, there are, there are actually choices now in the market. Now, that doesn't mean that every single component in our vehicle is off the shelf. It isn't. But we can either get things off the shelf from suppliers or we can work with suppliers to customize something for our specific needs, like we've done with the active suspension or, for example, our our airbag system, which is a pretty new architecture, because the interior of our vehicle is such a different shape than a car. But the point is that we actually work with hundreds of companies, which in many ways are not just suppliers; they're also our partners. They're they're in, implicitly investing in us and and our approach to solving autonomous mobility. So we're definitely not going at this alone. In the way that I think people often assume we are. Uh, yeah, and I totally
4: what- thought of you as like Zooks is going alone and and. But it, it, did you find it was hard to get these suppliers or partners to buy in because they might not they might be more willing to partner with a big automaker right Was there convincing involved or were they on board?
3: Uh, some of both, right? I think I mean as we've progressed, as our team has grown, as we've raised more capital, and as we've been able to show more uh, technology progress, it's getting easier and easier to convince. Uh, some of these great suppliers that we are worth talking to and working with. So yes, in the early days, you know, maybe it took a little bit more to get them to buy into our vision or even if they bought into our vision to realize that we were actually credible. Um, But now with the capital we've raised, you know, the team we have and also being able to show them our technology, I mean we'll we'll take our suppliers uh, in autonomous demos in the hardest parts of San Francisco. And then they're like, okay, this is super for real, right? Um, whereas, you know, a few years ago it was it was harder to, to do that. So no, it's been it's been great. And again, I think I give a lot of credit to our suppliers because it's not so much that our volumes in the next couple years are that exciting to, to them. I mean, for some of the supp- smaller suppliers, it may be, but for some of our larger suppliers, they don't really care about our volumes in the next couple of years. Um, but it's really, you know, it's really two things. One is our volumes, you know, four, five, six years from now are absolutely interesting. And then the other thing is it's really an opportunity to start learning about the future of mobility, right? And I think if you believe that autonomous driving is going to revolutionize transportation, whether you think it's happening in, you know, three months or three years or 20 years, you know, if you're a supplier, you kind of want to be in that space. You want to be learning what is that going to look like? And working with Zooks is definitely an opportunity to, to get a sneak peek at what the future might look like.
1: Yeah, I mean, design, development, um, all that stuff in the automotive space is, is, you know, really hard. And it's why, you know, you don't see a lot of new companies being being formed um, I think one other aspect uh, that's often underappreciated is regulatory compliance which of course is an issue for everyone in the in the AV space but particularly um, when you're developing a, a vehicle from the ground up um, you know, you've got some real regulations and and've I've been in some discussions about sort of the challenges of new uh, cabin configurations with crash testing and things like that. Um, how are you approaching that challenge?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we, we sort of view it as an opportunity to set the bar for safety, right? Because in the United States, there's a self-certification process and there aren't particularly, you know, explicit regulations on how a self-driving car has to be built, right? Um, now, NHTSA did come out in 2016 with the world's first federal guidelines for fully automated vehicles that say, hey, you know, we support this, it's okay to count the AI as a driver. And there's a bunch of states now in the United States that have legalized fully driverless vehicles, including, you know, California and Nevada, both of which uh, we have uh, been testing. in. So, you know, our, our view is we, we, we as one of the leaders in the industry need to set the bar, right? and And one way we're doing that is with a whole bunch of safety innovations in our vehicle. So, We have over 40 discrete safety innovations in our vehicle that actually go way beyond what people have done in conventional cars. And we've used the opportunity to actually build a vehicle that even from a passive crash safety perspective is safer for all four occupants than any car that we know of on the road today. It turns out that when you when you get in a car that has a five-star crash safety rating, that five-star crash safety rating only applies to the front seats. It doesn't apply to the rear seats, which in almost all cases are considerably less safe. And because our vehicle is symmetrical, we don't have the concept of front seats and rear seats. We just have a seat. Right? And so we've been able to... Engineer the vehicle to make that seat incredibly safe, which means that for all of our ride-sharing customers, they can feel confident that not only are they in a vehicle that's actively safe because of the AI system, but even if somebody were to run into us, they're still in arguably the safest vehicle on the road.
1: Can you just give a couple examples of some of those safety innovations? Obviously, I don't want you to give away your secret sauce, but like you mentioned, sort of unique airbags or just a couple. A couple examples of that.
3: Yeah. So, you know, in a car, w- when you get in a crash, there's a lot of things to bump into, right? So if you're in the front seat, you might hit your head on the steering wheel or on the dashboard, right? If you're in the rear seat, you might hit your head on the seats in front of you, right? Well, because we have sort of built this, this symmetrical pod, there aren't as many things to hit. And we've designed this really amazing kind of horseshoe uh, airbag system that really envelops the passengers in the event of a crash and, and means that there's really almost nothing that you can hit. And so that's one example of a safety innovation. Uh, another one is you can imagine that with the uh, AI system, you can, you can predict if you're about to get hit by something. And then you can imagine, you know, for example, pre-tensioning the seat belts um, so that you're already uh, on point uh, in the event of a crash rather than being in a very unfortunate sort of ergonomic position.
4: Hmm. Now, um, the one interesting thing for Zoox and, and maybe a little extra challenge is while well, you get the benefit of this Totally ground up design. You have there is some some federal regulations when you change the interior and exterior of the vehicle, like removing a steering wheel, for example, um, and having airbags in different places. The, those federal guidelines exist for all vehicles. So, how are you working through that? Is that is that a pinch point for you right now?
3: Yeah, we have a really fantastic safety innovation team led by Doctor Mark Rosekind, who actually was the administrator of NHTSA um, for for several years, including when they published the federal guidelines for fully automated vehicles. Um, you know, we've taken a very proactive approach to working with regulators uh, in the sense that you know we we've been kind of sharing with them, hey, here is what we're thinking, right? This the, this is the type of vehicle we're designing. And, you know, yes, there are some things that are different from conventional cars, um, but, but we believe that the self-certification path uh, is actually the way to go. And that, you know, even going back to the original, um, you know, Safety Act from 1966, um, you know, and obviously working with our, our legal team, we believe there's a, a really um, pretty clean path to, to certifying that our vehicle is safe and actually complies with, with existing regulations, even though we are changing some of the things that you would typically see in a regular car. Hmm. it's interesting
1: well, yeah i mean i i've got a million
4: questions know, i've been wanting to ask you i, I just but one. jeffy has to leave I mean, Jeff, right now jeffy's, so. jeffy's a busy man uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> um I, I do have one question that i, I just sure. want to get in real quick um you know i think we've seen a lot of autonomous drive companies kind of come out and um be really aggressive in terms of uh demos and videos and marketing and then sort of over the last year or so as as sort of timelines have fallen back and and sort of this you trough of disillusionment uh, has set in a little bit. They've sort of, you know, stepped back and gotten quieter. With Zooks, it seems like it's been the opposite. It seems like you guys were really, really quiet for a really long time. And just over the last... Um, six few, months, Yeah, maybe. six months. And and it's funny, Kirsten was just uh, hassling me on a not too recent, or a fairly recent uh, episode of the Autonicast, uh, where I was mentioning you guys' video and, and how impressive I thought they were. But, you know, she brought up a good point, which is that, you know, I think one of the reasons we've seen people... Showing and talking less about AV com- um, about AV products is that like I think mean, people understand more and more that it's easy to fake stuff, right? It's easy to to, to fake demos or fake videos or whatever else. Um, I, I'm curious, so why have you you guys sort of approached this the way that you have? Why are you being more open about it now?
4: Um, and I will say that your videos are a lot different than some of the ones we've seen before. That.
1: You didn't say that when you were making true. fun
4: of me. Yes, well, you get trolled when you come on the talk.
3: <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, and and just sort of like you know, what, what are you trying to accomplish with these videos? Yeah, no, thanks. For, thanks for asking that. Um, you know, certainly the first few years of Zooks, we were we were pretty quiet, um, and and that was for a few reasons. You know, one of them is that. Uh, I think we're a group of people who doesn't particularly like talking about ourselves for the sake of talking about ourselves. And we knew what we had to do. We knew how hard it was and we just really wanted to stay focused on that. We didn't want to create a bunch of hype and like, Oh, we're so great. And then we have this vision and it's so much better than everybody's like, that's not the way we we think of ourselves. Um, you know, we are really inspired by our approach and our mission, but you know, if we can't actually pull it off, then it, it's not really something worth talking about. Right. I mean, I, I grew up in Silicon Valley and I, I've been around a, too much you know, hype and, Oh, I was on this and that, and that's just not, that's not who I am. And that's not the kind of company we are. So we really wanted to stay focused and make sure that before we started talking about what we were doing, we actually had at least something to show for it. And I say that with, with quite a degree of humility because I realize we still don't even have a product yet. Right. And and there's still actually a considerable amount of work to do before we have paying customers in our vehicles at the same time we are proud of what we've done so far with our, with our team and we're comfortable enough with our strategy and the progress we've made that we're willing to open up a little bit more about why we're doing what we're doing, because I think people are starting to figure that out anyway. I mean, it's a relatively small industry. It's not like we could completely hide what we're doing. And the reality is, you know, we, we actually do want people to start getting kind of excited by that. Right? We want to, we want to hire people who, believe that this approach actually makes sense who who see that solving the problem holistically and creating a new type of mobility experience is actually a really worthwhile thing to do and so so putting out some of these videos is 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 a way of showing people that we've actually made a lot of progress and there's something unique about our approach and so the reason why we actually show not only the the camera output, which I think is what most companies do, but we also overlay the output of our sensor fusion perception algorithms. Um, so you can see the bounding boxes for all the objects that we're detecting and tracking. And then on the bottom of our videos, we show this really cool panoramic kind of 3D view of the world. And again, that's, that's the sensor fusion system taking in all the camera data, all the LiDAR data, all the radar data, processing everything into one consistent 3D view of the world. And then we actually show you know, what our vehicle is is seeing and thinking. And and we do that because we think that gives people a much richer understanding of what's actually going on under the hood rather than just showing the the, the camera feed. And we're pretty proud of that because we have a different sensor architecture and we have different algorithms from our competitors. And we think it's pretty cool when you watch these videos how much you can see three hundred and sixty degrees all around the vehicle. We think that's actually pretty cool and, and pretty inspiring.
4: And you mentioned and then we'll let you go that part of that is possible because uh, combine the way you combine the sensors. Can you just briefly educate us on that?
3: Yeah, sure. You know, one of, the, one of the reasons, as I said earlier, that we're doing our own vehicle is we think it gives us the opportunity to rethink the sensor architecture. And so what we've done is we've put on every corner of the vehicle 270 degrees camera, radar, and LiDAR, right? Which is pretty different to, to what our competitors are doing as far as we can tell. And what's cool about having 270 degrees camera radar and LIDAR on all four corners of the vehicle is that not only do you get a fail operational sensor architecture, which means that any individual sensor could fail and we could still finish our mission, but it also allows you to see around objects, which is a really big deal, especially in dense urban environments. If you're driving in the suburbs and there's only a couple things around you, probably doesn't matter that much. But if you're driving in a dense city and you have people and bicycles and trucks and poles and buildings and everything all around you, it turns out that it's really helpful to not only be Able to see the thing right next to you, but even to be able to see the thing behind the thing next to you, because that enables you to do much more consistent segmentation and tracking of objects, which in turn allows you to predict their future behavior much more accurately, which in turn allows you to plan your route much more comfortably and much more safely. And so we actually really like our sensor architecture and the output of our perception system in in part reflects what we believe is a superior way of perceiving the environment. And we think you can see that in the output of, of our videos that we post. Awesome.
1: Well, yeah, uh, yeah thank you so much. This has been longer. great. I mean, we, maybe we should just have you back because i have have so many questions i'm sure you've got uh so many other things you need to do right now so um thanks so much for making the time um and uh joining us in our little minivan recording studio
3: absolutely thanks for having me
4: yeah all right um thanks again